The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. <laughs> Always looking for a reason. Always have been wanting a reason to wear some medals. So what does winning mean to you? And what would it mean for you to win at life? For you, what is a win? Now, I'm one of those people, I'm motivated by winning. I mean, highly motivated by winning. Uh, Several years ago, a friend friend of mine and myself, we decided we were gonna do a triathlon together. And uh, so we trained for a couple months and we were a little ill-prepared, to be honest with you. But uh, we got to the race day, and we got all ready. We were actually, uh, you know, for a travel, and you start in the water. So we're down in the water. We're actually getting ready to go. We're waiting for the gun to go off. And I lean over to Rich, and I'm like, I will annihilate you. And then, and uh, he, he's told that story afterward. Like, dude, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm crazy. I'm really motivated to win almost at all costs, and I'll even tell a friend, I'm gonna annihilate you. And, uh, and, and I like winning, I wanna win, I'll train to win. Uh, and if I don't win, I'm even more motivated to train harder so that next time, I'll win. And uh, so that, you know, I have a, one of my sons, I think somehow like I pass this on to him, because he believes that he's better at me than everything. He's six years old and he's like, I'm faster than you. I can drive better than you. I can ride my bike faster than you. He he's, he's uses training wheels. I have like a tri-bike. The thing's designed to go faster than you drive a car. And he's like, I, I got you, Daddy. Let's race. And uh, everything. He can cook better than me. He can shoot better than me. Everything. Everything he's got better. And so, so for a personality like mine, you're just instigating me. I'm like, do you want to play hoops? Come on. Show me what you got. You know, like that's... So on on the Enneagram scale, I'm an eight. And what that means is I'm going to win. And I want to win. And that scares some of you, especially those of you that are like fives on the Enneagram scale, because you're the kind of individual that you only want to do something if you know you can succeed and win. You're like very risk averse. So people like me scare you to death. Here's the challenge. Uh, We must address this question of what it means to win at life. Because too many of us are trying to win at the wrong things and we're succeeding. Or we're competing with people we should be loving and then we're not winning at things that should matter. And so if we never tackle the question of what it means to win and what a win is in our life, we will spend our life competing with the wrong people, winning at the wrong things, and then not winning at the things that should matter most in our life. And so this is a fundamental life question. It's profound at what we focus on. And so let me challenge you again What does it mean for you to win at life? And what is a win in your life? Interestingly, Jesus tackled this issue of winning. What matters 
most. And he, he specifically targeted two groups of people, people that were consumed with winning. But they were trying to win at wrong things. And they were religious people trying to win at the wrong thing. Before Jesus died, now bear in mind, Jesus predicted his death. So he knew how he was going to die and he knew when he was going to die. And so within the last couple of days leading up to his death, Jesus taught life-altering, profound lessons about how to focus your life on what matters most. And through this series, hashtag winning, we're going to be going through the last teachings of Jesus as he focused us on what matters most. Now, for this message, I want to, I want to focus in on uh, what Jesus said in his last days, but as recorded by the author Matthew. And the reason why this is so important is because Matthew was not winning. He thought he was winning. He was getting rich the wrong way. He was competing with the wrong people. Matthew was a Roman hired, so he, he was a Jewish man hired by the Romans to uh, tax them and cheat them. And so he was succeeding at the wrong thing. As a result, his fellow countrymen hated him. And then he meets Jesus and his life is radically changed. And when his life is changed, he begins to follow Jesus. He, he's an eyewitness to the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and eventually the resurrection of Jesus. And later in life, Matthew records the lessons he learned from Jesus, but not just here's a lesson. He goes, here's Jesus and how he taught it. And so we're going to jump in to the story. But before I do, let me give you some context to Matthew chapter 22, the gospel of Matthew chapter 22. Be before I jump into what I'm going to read from that chapter, the context is this. Jesus was teaching, and he tells a story. He tells a parable about a man who was throwing a big wedding feast. And he invited all of his friends, closest family, but no one wanted to show up. No one wanted to come. And so he wanted, his, he wanted the, the wedding feast to have a lot of people there. So he opened the invitation to anybody and everybody. And when you came, so long as you came, and you came prepared to celebrate... You were welcome at his feast. And the, the reason Jesus told this story is, he was calling out these different religious leaders saying, you think that you have to be a VIP in God's kingdom to get in. You think that you gotta act the right way or you gotta have a special invitation, but I want you to know that God is opening his kingdom, the, the wedding feast of his kingdom to anyone and everyone. But when you get that invitation, you gotta get yourself ready to get in. And, and, and so he kind of was like switching the scorecard on all these religious leaders. So then the, these one group of people, the Sadducees, who don't believe in eternity and they don't believe in the resurrection, they were really irritated. They started asking Jesus very probing questions, trying to catch him uh, about the idea of eternity and the resurrection. And Jesus answers all their questions to the point where they don't even know what else to say. They just stop asking questions. Then the next group of religious leaders kicks in, and that's where our story is going to jump in. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. They huddled up, and they're like, hey, we got we to trap Jesus. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And, and right there, here it is. So this is a question that they couldn't answer. 
This was, a, this was one of those questions that they didn't know the right answer. They, they used to meet and argue about this all the time because there's hundreds of laws in the Old Testament of the Bible. And so they would get together and they would argue, this one's the most important. Why is this one the most important? In essence, they were arguing about what it means to be hashtag winning. Which law do you have to follow to really win at religion, to win with God, to, be, to really impress God? And that's what they were trying to do. And Jesus just blows up all of their effort. He goes like this. Here it is. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and this is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Imagine Jesus. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to be crucified, put to death. And the most important thing he wanted to teach us about winning at life and focusing on what matters most. He said, if, if, you had to, if you had to summarize all of the Bible into two statements, he, he, goes, he, he goes, I'll give you, I won't just give you one, I'll, I'll give you two. He goes, the most important is this, love God and then love people. In fact, that's what I want you to take note of right now. If you want to, you want to summarize life, you want to, you want to understand hashtag winning. Maybe you're focused on the on winning at the wrong things, and you're working really hard at trying to win, and you're putting a lot of energy into things that at the end won't matter. And you need to switch around your scorecard. Here's what I would encourage you to focus on: love God, love people. <laughs> Imagine that now. Don't, I, I know, it's simple, but it's not that easy, is it? So I thought, well, let me explain this a little more. Let me give you another, another statement to help unpack this a little bit. So in life, here's what we should be doing. We should know and love God, right? In fact, maybe some of you need, you need to get out your phone and take a screenshot. If you're joining us online, you can take a moment and type this in or write this down at each of our campuses. Maybe take a moment and pause. This is literally what it means to win at life, to know and love God. Then when you know and love God, what do you do? You love people. You treat them as family. Hopefully you love your family. And because you love your family, you should treat anyone and everyone you meet as family. And so why is this so hard? Why don't we define winning as loving? And why don't we love well? Well, let's jump back into the two groups of people that Jesus was talking to. The one group was the Sadducees. Now, you might, you might really relate to these guys because the Sadducees were highly religious people, but they didn't believe in eternity. So they believed that the whole message of religion and God is to do good is to do the right thing by people. And so they were liberal activists. They were social justice warriors. Everything was about doing good and doing what was right with, with and for people. The challenge is that the harder they tried to do the right thing, the more they started to believe that people are the problem. And that's often what this social justice um, pathway, when, when social justice is not just a means to an end, but it is the end in itself, you can start to believe that people are the problem. The other group was the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees are your legalists. They're your religious elites. They're the ones who are best 
at being the best. They're good at looking good even when they can't do good. So you, whether they're being very religious or not, you don't know, but they certainly look good at being religious. And the challenge is that because Judaism, uh, they believe that Judaism was simply a religion of laws. And so they crafted all of these heavy laws that no one could follow and even they couldn't follow. And so they became hypocrites. They looked like they were religious, but they were not really doing the right thing. And so Jesus steps in and he goes, no matter how hard you try, you're never going to be good enough. If you're a social justice warrior, you're never gonna be able to bring about enough justice to justify your mistreatment of people. And to the religious elites, he's going, you make all these laws, but you can't follow them yourself. See, no matter what you put, as a category in your scorecard, it's never enough. And so we need a new scorecard. And so what is that scorecard that Jesus offered? It's this, let's jump back in the story. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. What he's saying is don't be half-hearted in your love for God. Don't hold back your emotions. Don't just love God with your heart and your mind, but then you withhold your desires from God. You withhold your agenda, your will from God. No, you have to give him your soul, your will, your agenda, your desires, and with all of your mind. Don't love God with, with a distracted mind, with, you know, like you're not fully focused on God. He goes, this is the first and the greatest commandment. A another uh, letter written by the author John, the apostle John. In his letter to the church, he writes it this way. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You know what the key is? He said, loving people are loved by God. Did you catch that? Maybe this is one of those statements that you need to write down or take a screenshot of or simply type, text someone. Loving people are loved by God. Here is the challenge. The, the reason why we don't have love as a scorecard is because we're driven by our own desires, our own selfishness, our own ambitions. Why? Because we turned our back on God. We do life our own way, and as a result, we've defined winning our own way. And we left God out of the equation. And when we leave God out of the equation, we live a life of sin. That's what Jesus called it. Anything where we reject God and God's ways and God's best is sin. And the problem with sin is that it makes life not work. We, we focus on running races that even if we win, we did not win. We focus on competing with people we shouldn't compete with. We focus on doing things that don't matter, and we miss out on what matters most. That's what sin does. It corrupts our heart and our desires and tricks us into trying to run the wrong race and win at the wrong things. And the end result is that we cross the finish line of death, and we stumble into eternal judgment. And the, and the medal we get is a forever without God. Hashtag winning. And so Jesus intervened in our story by becoming one of us. Not to tell us that we have to love God, but to invite us to receive his love. If we can't love others, it's not because you're not trying hard enough. 
It's because you're empty and bankrupt of love. And so the first thing is not to try harder to love others, but to receive the love of God. So really, hashtag winning is receiving God's love. Jesus stepped down from heaven to earth, became a man, walked among us to show us what matters most. And what matters most is to be loved by God. And John, that's what the author John said. He goes, it's not that we loved God. It's that he first loved us. And Jesus gave his life as a payment for our sin so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of sin and given new life. Because Jesus not only died, as, a, as the ultimate expression of his power, his strength, his life, his love, Jesus rose from the dead. And when we believe that Jesus not only died, but he rose from the dead, we are both forgiven and given that new and forever life. And so some of you, you're trying really hard to win at life. And, and the shift for you is that I want you to try harder. I want you to receive more. You don't need to try harder at love. You need to receive the love of God. And if that's where you're at right now, would you open your heart to receiving God's love through faith in Jesus Christ? And if you're making that commitment, would you let us know? Text the name Jesus to 81411. And simply what we're gonna do is we're gonna send you uh, some quick info on how you can take a next step and how you can grow in that relationship with Jesus. Here's the thing. For too many of us, we're defining winning in the wrong ways, and so we're working really hard at the wrong things. Meanwhile, all we've got to do is receive God's love, right? Loving people are loved by God. That's it. One of my favorite statements, and I think you all already know where I'm going with this if you've ever been to Live House before, but I feel the need to say it again. What fills? Spills. Those of you online right now, you can type that in. If you're joining us online, put it in the comment section. What fills? Spills. All right, so you're gonna type that in. What fills? Spills, right? And so if I'm not able to love well, it's because I've not received the love of God. If you wanna give more love, you need to receive more love. If, and because we give out of the overflow of what's in us. And if you're filled with hurt and hate, guess what's coming out? If you're filled with jealousy and pride, guess what's coming out? If you've been abused and mistreated and you feel like a victim, guess what you're gonna do? You're gonna victimize. But when I am loved by God, I will love others. When I am forgiven by God, I will forgive others. And so the simple statement of Jesus is this. He goes, you want to know what it means to win at life? You know what your scorecard really needs to be? <laughs> Let me give you a simple statement. To know and love God. That's it. You, you want to know why, why Lifehouse is here? Because we want you to know and love God. We know that God loves you. We know that God knows you and he loves you. And we want you to know and love God. And we want you to spend the rest of your life knowing God more and loving God more. Because as you love God more, you will be transformed in your life so that you will not go through life in poverty of love. You will not go through life in the poverty of unforgiveness, in regret, in shame, and guilt, but you'll go through life with the abundance of knowing and loving God because you know that you are known and loved by God. And when you are known and loved by God, your life is forever changed. So why are we here? To know and love God. In fact, can I encourage you? I was thinking, how am I going to do this? So very simply, the, the medal that I want you to hold up in your life to know God. Winning, to know and love God. 
So say this with me, whether you're joining us online or at one of our campuses right now. To know, go ahead, and love God. What is my winning in life? I know I'm winning if I know and love God. And I am growing in knowing and loving God. That's it. This is good, right? Like, don't focus your energy on things that don't help you grow in knowing and loving God. Put more energy into what helps you know and love God. Now, let's keep going here because um, there's, there's more to this story. So I'm going to jump back in where you keep reading. And the second is like it. He goes, there you go. You want to know what the scorecard is? Love God. And then I said the second one, love people, right? So the first one is we got to know and love God. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Here it is. You want to define the scorecard of life? To love God, love people. In, in the letter of John, 1 John chapter 4, he says a very similar thing. He goes, it's not that we love God. It's that God first loved us. And then he goes, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It's that simple. Here's the deal. Loved people love people. Well, that fell flat. <laughs> I really, I guess I need to get, look for some cheering on the online team here. I, I really thought you guys would be like, woo, that's good. I mean, I wordsmith that. I, Spencer, you know, how, you know how hard I spent trying to wordsmith this? I mean, I've, I spent a long time trying to get those words just right. Love people, love people. There you go. All right. The point is, it's the obvious thing, right? If I'm loved by God, I will do this really obvious thing. What fills, spills. Loved people, love people. So very simply, are you loving well? Are you loving others? It, we're not trying to push you to love people. If you're not loving others well, it's simply an indication that you're not tapping into the love of God. We're not mad at you. We're not frustrated with you. We're not even angry with you. We just know that you're, you're a thirsty person in need of the drink of the living water of God's love. If you're, if you're mistreating people, you're probably hangry. You're in need of the bread of life. You need to eat from the love of God. And then when you're filled and you're satisfied, you become a generous person, right? Love people, love people. And, and so here, here's what's interesting. Um, Jesus was talking to a crowd of hangry people. They didn't know how to love well. And so when Jesus is, is saying, here's the two things, love God, love people, they go, yeah, it can't be that. It, it doesn't work like that. that, that no, the scorecard of life can't be that. And, and so um, they challenge Jesus. They, they're, they're questioning him. And, he, and so Jesus tells a story. He goes, because one of the lawyers is like, well, what does that look like really? What does that mean? And what does it mean to love your neighbor? And, and so Jesus says, well, let me tell you a story. There was this guy who got attacked and beat up on the side of a road, and he got stripped almost naked, and he's left, um, and it looks like he's dead on the side of the road. But fortunately for him, along came a priest, and when the priest saw him, he crossed over to the other side of the road and avoided him. And a little bit later, a, a Levite, somebody who works in the synagogue, somebody who works for God, saw him. You know, he's walking on the road, he sees the man who looks dead, and he veers over to the other side and avoids him too. And then Jesus says, then a jihadist, maybe, maybe Jesus didn't use that word, he said a Samaritan, 
But for the Jewish people, that's about what it sounded like. A, a Samaritan man came along, and when he saw him, he went to him, and he lifted him up, put him on his own donkey, he brought him to an inn, he cared for him, he, he bandaged his wounds, and it cost him. And then he goes like this to the man, who, the, the, the people that he was talking, he goes, so here, here this, let's jump in. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And, and that was the point, he goes, and the expert in the law replied, um, the one who had mercy on him? And Jesus told him, that's right, go and do likewise. What's the point? If we're gonna, if love people love people, then what does this look like? Well, we have to love each other like family. If I saw one of my kids hurting on the road, I don't cross over and pass by. My kids are out playing in the yard and one of them falls and is bloodied up. Pfft, worry about yourself? No, you go running to them because they're my family. And if we started loving each other like family, right, we would love people differently. If we started, if we put aside the politics, we took all these issues in our nation, and we said, no, 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 they're not nameless, faceless people. They're not a race. They're not a, um, a, a financial class of people. They're not a political class of people. They're family. And we started loving each other like family, we would love differently, right? And so within LifeHouse, we just want you to find family. We want to love you like family. And then we want you to invite you into our family. And when you become part of the family. We want you to go out. We want you to love others like family because we're a family. And so we say, welcome home. You're part of the family of God. Now, what does it look like to love each other like family? Well, now it becomes active. So we're going to jump back in this room. I'm going to give you a couple key thoughts. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him and he went to him. You know what love does? That's it right there. Love does. It's not that love feels. All right. <laughs> you, you, guys are, you guys are getting it. <laughs> and, and you know, it's funny. It's not that I even need you to applaud. It's that I want to know that you're getting this, that it's sticking in your heart. Here's the thing. It's not that love feels or love thinks or love wants, or love kisses, or love smiles, or love waves. Love does. Love is active. Love is proactive. Love is engaged. Love behaves. Love gets, love gets in motion. And when we begin to love each other like family, we begin to do things that would otherwise be uncomfortable if we didn't see them as family. Here's the deal. Love makes a difference. For the man on the side of the road, who a priest and a Levite avoided, love goes out of its way to get involved. Love makes a difference. And as a, as a result, as a church, we want to make a difference. You know how you make a difference when you love? It's not to just love does. Love makes a difference. And the way love makes a difference is love goes out of the way. Love, hashtag winning, isn't avoiding others. It's going to others. Winning isn't your way. It's going out of your way. Love isn't, this is my way. Everyone follow me. Love, which is winning, goes out of its way to find those that are broken and hurting. And that was the point. Je that's why Jesus tells a story about a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. It sounds like he's setting up a joke. 
but just the opposite. He's setting up a new scorecard. He goes, the priest and the Levite, Here, here's a priest who, who is a representative of God on earth, but can't show a dying man what God is like. Because God is love. God went out of his way. He came from heaven to earth. The Levite who works for God can't serve God enough to serve a broken, dying man. But the Samaritan who in the, in the story would represent somebody who's far away from God shows God's love because he goes to the man and loves the man as a neighbor. And when we begin to love others, we, we make a difference because we go out of our way. We see the need in people. We, we recognize the tears. We listen to the hurting. We recognize the broken. Because we recognize that when you love, life is no longer about you, but about caring for others. What did he do next? Well, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on the oil and the wine. You know, you know what the point is? Love gets involved. This man got dirty, right? Love gets, it doesn't, love doesn't just go out of the way. If we're going to make a difference, love has to get involved in the messiest circumstances of life. You know what the scorecard is? It's not the situations you can avoid, but the needs you can get involved in. Focus more on where people are broken and hurting and love them well. Love means you're going to get, it's going to get messy. Very rarely will life send you a hug size issue. Most of the time, love will invite you to get involved in things that are messy and bloody and broken. People that are hurting and dying and wounded. People that look like they're not even worth your time. And when you love well, you go out of your way and you get involved. And when you get involved, as I read, he says he bandaged him and he brought him to an inn. He paid the bill and he said, any cost that you incur... I'll come back and I'll pay it. You know what the point is? Love gives. Winning is not getting, it's giving. The scorecard of your life, which is love, is about giving, not getting. Love will cost you. Love will require sacrifice. Love will invite you to go beyond what you felt was comfortable and give more than you thought was possible. And you'll do it with a smile because you're so excited because um, loved peop loving people are loved by God. And when you're, when you're loved, you will love others well, right? And so you'll begin to give and you'll be, you'll be so excited. You'll discover that giving is joy. It's, ex it's fun. It's pleasurable. It's exciting to be generous. Let, let me be clear. Christians, specifically speaking to you. You believe in revival. You believe in the miracles of God. You believe that God can do anything. If you prayed for someone to rise from the dead, and after they rose from the dead, we did not love them well, they would leave the church and choose a life of death. If you pray for the sick, and they are supernaturally and miraculously healed, and then we don't love them well, they will leave the church and leave Jesus and leave the word of God and choose a lifestyle of sickness. If people are trapped in a lie and we offer them the truth of Jesus Christ and they receive it and then we don't love them well, they will leave the truth and pursue a lie. 
Love is the scorecard of life. You know what it means to win at life? You wanna, you wanna live a life of winning? Love God, love people. Which is why within the church, this is our motivation. We want you to know and love God. We want you to find family, right? We want you to treat each other as family. And then we want you to make a difference by loving. Love does. Love goes out of its way. Love gets involved. Love gives. So in what way do you need to love God? Love others. Can I take a moment and just pray over you? I'm I'm certain that this speaks to every one of our hearts. Too many of us are pursuing medals that don't matter. Competing with people that we should be cooperating with. Winning at things we shouldn't win at. And missing the races that matter most. How can you reorient your life around the scorecard of loving God and loving people? Jesus, I want to almost say just forgive us. Forgive us for being trapped and living a life pursuing things that don't matter and not pursuing what does and missing the bow and hurting people in the process. But God, we know that the key is not trying harder, but receiving more of your love. And so God, would you lavish your love on us right now? And as you lavish your love on us, would we be loved? And would love people love others? Help us to be active in love. God, show us right now where we need to go out of our way, get involved, and give as an expression of love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.